You're listening to Hey Bitches Podcast, episode 64. Hey bitches, what is up you guys? It's your girl Carly. Welcome back to Hey Bitches Podcast. Hope you guys are having an incredible Tuesday. I'm having a great Tuesday. You guys would know if you follow me on Instagram, I've had a wild weekend. Like I've actually been having like a couple wild weekends. Two weeks ago, I sprained my ankle. I was in an air cast. And then on Thursday, I actually ended up driving to BC with my best friend, Nikki. We had a great time. We went to Sycamus. We went to Kelowna. Then we stayed in Calgary. And now I am back home in Edmonton. I currently don't have plans this weekend, but who knows? I could end up like in fucking Toronto. We don't know. Anyways, that is really not the theme of today's episode. Today's episode, by the title, if you guys have seen it, it is about my focus tips and tricks for adult ADHD, my kind of journey and story with ADD. Ever since I kind of opened up to you guys about this, you guys have had so many questions for me, and I wanted to share with you guys, you know, my tips, my tricks, all of that good stuff, because adult ADHD and just ADHD in general and just ADD in general is something that I'm finding a lot of you guys struggle with and a lot of you guys don't exactly know how to deal with. And I personally have had been diagnosed with, I guess, ADD for 10 plus years now. So I have a lot of experience and I want to share with you guys what works for me, my journey, my struggle, kind of what, how I see myself in the future, give you all the tea on that today. So today's episode, we are diving headfirst into all of my focus tips and tricks for adult ADHD. So let's get into the episode. The first thing I want to talk about is kind of the start of it all. So when I opened up to you guys about this on Instagram, you guys were like, oh my God, how did you get an appointment with your doctor? How did you blah, blah, blah? How are you able to change your medication? And I will get into this later. I, I guess, am kind of lucky in a sense that I was diagnosed with ADD very early on. So at 14, I was diagnosed with ADD. Now I was never hyperactive. So I don't consider myself to have ADHD. I was never like, you know, too, too distracted. I do show, I guess, symptoms of ADHD, but it's not like super, super apparent to the point where I get distracted by literally everything. And then it also is paired with being hyperactive because I'm not really like that. I feel like I was just, I'm just a straight ADD. So I was diagnosed with ADD at 14. I was never hyperactive, but I really did have trouble focusing. And I think, you know, the more that I've grown up and the ref- I reflect on that, it's because a lot of this stuff obviously didn't grab my interest. And when I'm really interested and focused on things, I can get things done. But growing up, like obviously when you're in junior high and you have to learn how to do freaking like grade seven math and you don't want to, but it's a life skill that you have to have, like you just have to do it. So I was really struggling. Like in elementary school, I was incredible. I was excelling past so many of my peers in even math is like the hardest subject for me. So I was excelling past them in like elementary math. And then suddenly I got into junior high and I just like regressed. Like I was so bad at everything. I was struggling. I literally struggled with any math related subject from junior high all the way to university. I've talked about this before. I've literally, I failed accounting three times. I had to take university level one accounting three times. I had to take the stats like twice. And I think I had to take finance like twice as well. That should really just tell you that I'm not a numbers bitch in terms of like those mathematical type of numbers. I love numbers and analytics and like, you know, I have this whole social media spreadsheet where I literally 
project a percentage over time of where my goals are. And I love that type of numbers and math, I guess, but like the finance accounting statistics type of math really just wasn't my shit. And it really hasn't been since like literally grade seven. So in junior high, my mom was like, bitch, what the fuck is going on? And so she took me to the doctor and I truly don't remember a lot about the assessment because it was 10 years ago, but I assume I probably just sat down with my mom and my doctor and we just kind of talked about how I wasn't doing well in school and about how I was always distracted and about how I couldn't focus on things for a very long time and my mind would always be wandering. And I think probably I had to fill out some type of test and I I don't know. Like I said, I don't remember much from that because it was so fucking long ago, but that is kind of how I started my, my ADD journey, if you will. So after I went to my doctor, I was prescribed with Ritalin. Now, this was 10 years ago, so this is no longer, I guess, what I am on now, but when I was younger, I was prescribed with Ritalin. Now, I was not a responsible pill taker. Like, I think I, like, did it for the first month, and I ended up basically just, like, lying to my doctor and my mom that I was better and I was, you know, focusing, which was not true. I mean, it probably was on on some type of level, but it wasn't, like, enough of a difference to be like, okay, yes, I feel focused and organized and I feel motivated, and, like, that truly just reflected in my grades. So I think that I just you know, was rolling with it. It probably was helping, but it wasn't helping a ton. So I had that prescription literally from grade seven to grade 12. Honestly, probably in grade like eight, maybe a year later is when I stopped taking it. Like I just stopped taking it altogether. I think maybe in grade 11 or something like that, I might've renewed my prescription. I'm honestly not sure, but that should really just tell you that I was struggling and unmedicated for most of my learning life. I didn't really take it seriously. I was just like, oh, whatever, I can push through. I blah, 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 blah. And that's kind of where I was at. I think that grade 11, actually, the more I think about it was the turning point for me because I had gone through my grade 10 year. It wasn't really the best. Obviously, when you're switching from like three years of school that you knew before, which was like seven to nine into like new school, which is 10 to 12. You kind of have like a rocky adjustment period. Like things are a little bit different. You're surrounded with like all new people and you're getting used to the whole experience. Now for me, I was like, okay, I I don't think I'm doing that great. So I think I went back to my doctor and I sat down and I was like, hey, my grade 10 year has gone by. This is where I'm at. This is, you know, I can't really focus X, Y, Z. I think she gave me a new prescription. And then what I actually did with that is I was able to go into my school and I was able to be like, hey, I'm diagnosed with this. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm taking is there anything you can do for me? And so this is when I started to get extra time. So I would have extra time for tests because I would be so distracted and unfocused that in the 45 minutes that we had this test, like I would not be able to focus. And this is definitely something that still followed me from high school into university. And I will talk about that also in a little bit, but I did get extra time in high school, which really, really, really was beneficial. I Once again, definitely did not take my medication consistently in high school either, but the extra time was consistent. So I was able to take my my finals in my grade 12 year with extra time. I don't think I did it for everything. I did it mostly for, you know, subjects that I did struggle with. So like math, science related stuff like physics, 
those type of subjects where one, I wasn't good at it. And then two, I had to focus even harder. Those were like the type of subjects where I did have extra time because if I didn't, I literally would probably answer four questions out of like 50 and just fucking bomb it. So that was kind of my experience with ADD from like seven to 12 situation. And that experience repeated itself in university. So I took a gap year off between grade 12 and my first year of university. And obviously then I wasn't doing testing. I wasn't doing anything. I had no need for any type of prescription. I literally also wasn't even taking it. So like it didn't really make a difference, but grade, I guess not grades anymore. My first year of university is when I also had to get a letter from my doctor saying that I have ADD, saying that I need extra time on XYZ, and that is where, you know, my university ADD career started. I I feel like extra time is a recurring theme in all of my like education tiers and it really really was helpful. I remember in my first year I took Economics 101 and 102 back to back in the same semester because they were not a prerequisite for each other. But it was so fucking hard. Like, I really fucked myself up with that. But I took both of those back to back. I was struggling. I basically almost failed both of those classes, but I did have the extra time to, I mean, try to get my shit together. And it really was useful. So, like high school, it was dependent on the classes if I submitted for extra time or if I didn't. I generally submitted for extra time for all of my finals, regardless of the subject, because in you in university, your finals aren't like 50 minutes long. Sometimes your finals are like a full three hours. And me focusing on one thing for a full three hours is very, very hard. And more often than not, I was finding that people in my class who would take the test would finish the test in like 50 minutes out of the full three hours. And it would take me like two and a half hours to write this. And, you know, in the same amount of, or the same questions or the same test, it would take me a full like two and a half hours to write this thing because I would read a question and I just could not fucking focus on it. Like I would read it and my brain would just be like, no, we're not doing that right now. And I'd have to just move on. So I had to go back and do that so much that I needed the extra time. So I think I had like four and a half hours or something like that, maybe five hours to write a test, which Honestly, thinking back, five hours for a fucking test is nuts. Even three hours for a test is fucking nuts. But whatever, I'm graduated, I'm done with that shit. But that is kind of where, you know, my ADD played into my university career. Now, between my first year and basically most of my university career, so my four and a half years, because I was in university from 2015 to 2020, I took three months off or three semesters off, and then I went back. But in my fourth year is when I was like, okay, I need to fucking get my shit together. Like, this is actually crazy. So this is where I decided to get reassessed. Now, I decided to get reassessed because of a couple things. One, I had declared a minor. So up until my fourth year, or I guess my third year, I had only had a major. I only had a marketing major, and that was that on that. I didn't have a minor. Literally in my first two years, you couldn't even have a minor, let alone even a double major. So I only had a major for my first, you know, however many years of university. In my last year, I was able to declare a minor, and I declared it as legal business studies. So if you guys know, I I love intellectual property law. I love that kind of area of law. So I declared my minor, and I was in all these classes that I absolutely loved. I was in the workplace law. I was in real estate law, and it was great. It was really mentally stimulating. I loved it, and I had, you know, 
the option of extra time, I never used it for my law classes because law classes and finals are structured a little bit differently than all these other classes. But when I was in these classes, I was also in the process of transitioning my career as an influencer into full-time. So instead of, you know, working a retail job or a serving job or something that doesn't exactly require a lot of intellectual power from you all of the time, I was, you know, going to school burning my brain out in school, getting home and doing a bajillion things for my influencer career. So sending emails, recording podcasts, recording videos. And that may not sound very like intellectual heavy, but it's very creatively exhausting. And when you start to get creatively exhausted, your mind starts to wander. Like it can't fucking focus. It can't do anything. And then I was getting so stressed and overwhelmed because I was trying to do a billion things. And at this point too, I didn't have a job. Like my influencer job was my job. So I was literally pouring my soul into that because if I wasn't doing that, I wasn't making money. And then on top of that, I was in my last year of my degree, which is also stressful. And then on top of that, this last semester, this January to March or whatever semester is when we went into a fucking global pandemic. So it was really, really, really stressy for me. And I was just like, you know what? I can't fucking do it. And speaking of the pandemic, a big reason why I went back in to get reassessed is because we moved from in-person to online classes. Now I've taken online classes before and I am honestly just not good at them. And I knew I wasn't good at them. So when the pandemic started to get a little bit scarier, and this was before we actually went into lockdown and quarantine, I was like, okay, I need to book a visit with my doctor. So I called and I was like, hey, look, it's been basically 10 years since I got my original prescription. So much about me has changed. Obviously my height, my weight, my probably digestive system. And I just don't think that the prescription that I originally had is working for me anymore. And my doctor was like, you're probably right. So I went in and this is kind of a funny story. So I had my doctor's appointment booked and I put everything on my calendar. And for some reason, I put the calendar time as the literal wrong time. And my doctor office calls me and they're like, hey, are you coming in? I was like, oh, my appointment's not till this time. They're like, no, it's literally right now. And I was like, oh my fucking God. So I had to whip over to my doctor's office and my doctor like gives me this questionnaire. And so this is kind of how I got reassessed and re-diagnosed with ADHD, this is a question you guys ask me all the time is how do I get diagnosed? How do I get assessed? She literally gave me a form and you had to self-identify on all these questions. So it was like, going back to the story, one of the questions was, do you find yourself forgetting appointments and being late? And I was like, I can't even lie on this question because I was literally late and I forgot about this appointment. So basically it's a one to five. I had to be like absolutely five because I have been a mess recently. My mind is just so all over the place, but it asks you all of these questions. It asks you about things like if you have chronic like leg movements, which I do if I find myself getting stressed and unfocused, I'm that kind of person who has restless leg syndrome and that is a condition of ADD. So I just basically filled out this form. My doctor looked at it. She looked at it in comparison to like whatever the chart is. If you have this many numbers, then this means you're in this category. I don't know. I didn't really see that part. She did it on her own. And then she was like, okay, yeah, like you check off enough boxes on this that you probably still are struggling with ADD, but now you're struggling with adult ADD, which is, you know, different because when you're growing up, you do have not a great attention span. Like you're an actual fucking child. 
child. But now that I'm 24 years old, I'm a full-fledged, fully formed adult. I mean, I wouldn't say fully formed. I've heard somewhere that your brain doesn't even completely develop until you're like 30 as a woman. I have no idea. That could be completely wrong. But what I'm trying to say is I'm no longer a child and I have way more self-awareness and I've kind of gone through those formative stages. And she was like, yeah, you still do struggle with this. So let's figure out how to, you know, combat that. So we talked about my past prescription and I told her, I was like, honestly, I didn't really take it much. I didn't really find a difference and it wasn't really for me. And she was like, okay. Then she ran through a bunch of different options and she said, this is what I think would be good for you. So if you guys are wondering, the specific medication that she put me on at first was Bifentin 10 milligrams. So Bifentin, I'm pretty sure, is a derivative of Ritalin. It's not a derivative of Adderall. So Bifentin is a focus drug, but it is not the same as Adderall. And so I was like, cool, let's go on Bifentin. I don't really think that my ADD is, you know, hyperactive or extreme enough to even think that I would need to go on Adderall. Adderall to me seems at like the top, top of of ADD because I've heard like a lot of things. Obviously, Adderall gets abused as a a study drug all the time in university. And it's something that, you know, regular people will take to get super, super hyper-focused. But I, I have a couple good mechanisms of organization that keeps me focused that I'm not that much of a mess that I think that I need Adderall. So it was definitely just not even on the table for me. If you guys are wondering why I I went with Bifentin and not Adderall, it literally just was not on the table for me. So she prescribed me 10 milligrams of Bifentin. And so I took it every day for 30 days. The first like couple days really didn't change anything for me. And I specifically remember I was writing my final paper for my intellectual property law class and I was so stressed because I wasn't done my sources and it was like 12 a.m. And if you know me, I do not stay up late. Like I am not a late night person. I'd rather get up early in the morning and work, but I was like so fucking stressed that this needed to get done. This final paper was 45% of my grade and I was just losing my mind. And so I remember texting all of my friends. I was like, my prescription is 10 milligrams. I've already taken two and I want to take two more. Do you think I'll die? So I was Googling like max dose of Bifentin and blah, 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 because I mean, I didn't want to fucking KMS with these study drugs. So I looked it up. I'm fine. The max dose of Bifentin is 80 milligrams. So I was like, fuck it. I'm going to take it. So I ended up taking 40 milligrams of Bifentin that day and I was so fucking productive. It felt like it was the right dose for me. So I continued to take 20 milligrams a day to see if maybe that was like the right dose. And then I started taking 30. And then obviously I ran out of my pills quickly because I only had 30 days of 10 milligrams. So after that, I was like, hey, I called my doctor. I was like, hey, you know what? I'd love love to come back in. I'm done my prescription. This is where I'm at now. And she was like, okay. So I sat down with her and I was like, hey, this is what happened. I was taking 10, didn't really feel anything. I started taking twice a day, didn't really feel anything. One day I decided to take 40 and it seemed like the correct dose. And she was like, you know what? Totally makes sense. I can bump you up to 40. So now I'm at a 40 milligram daily by Fenton prescription. So it comes in like its own dosage, like pill. So it's 40 milligrams in one pill versus me taking like four 10 milligram pills. I'm at a 40 milligrams. It's great. I take it basically every day. I try not to take it on the weekends just because I try not to do so much work on the weekends, but Monday through Friday, I do definitely take it and it helps me to stay focused. I love my Bifentin, truthfully. I think that 
once this is done, I actually have a two month prescription of it right now. And I think that once this is done, I might see if I can bump it up to a 50. I'm not sure if my body is kind of getting used to it or if maybe I'm not 100% at my correct dose yet. It's kind of this trial and error phase to find the best dose for me to be the most productive and the most focused and the best version, I guess, of myself in terms of my adult ADD. So like I said, I'm on 40 milligrams of Bifentin daily. I take it every day. Thing is, it kind of doesn't have too much of a lasting effect for me, which is why I think I want to bump it up one more. My doctor did tell me she could do it, but I was like, you know what? Let's try a little bit more of like a prolonged experience with the 40 and then we'll come back. So after the two months, I do have a reassessment to see where I sit with my dosage and then From there, either she said my options are to bump up to a 50 milligram or we can change the drug completely. So I truthfully don't remember what the other option was. There was two options. There was some other one I can't remember and one called Vyvanse. So I have a couple friends who are on Vyvanse and they love it. I'm truthfully, honestly not sure if it's an Adderall derivative or not. I think it might be, which is why I think my friends really enjoy it because like I was saying earlier, Adderall is like hyper, hyper focus, but I just don't think I really want to venture along that path. I think for me personally, I might try to just bump it up to 50 milligrams of Bifentin after this is done, depending on what these next two months are like for me. But those are kind of the options from there. So if you're in a similar similar situation, then definitely I would just trial and error it. Like for me, I did have to, you know, throw a Hail Mary and then take four pills in a day, which I truthfully won't like wouldn't recommend. Like I I don't know why I did it. I was just in such a state of panic and it worked out for me, but also please don't fucking do that. Like consult your doctor because that could have gone horribly wrong for me and I'm just very lucky that it didn't. So that is kind of where I'm at with medication, how much I'm taking, how frequently I'm taking it, the next steps, all of that kind of stuff. That is where I'm at when it comes to you know, real medication from my doctor. Now, if you don't have a prescription or you feel like your ADD isn't strong enough to even warrant a prescription or you literally don't have ADD, you just can't fucking focus, then I have some tips and tricks for you too. So if you follow me on Instagram, you guys would know I am a sucker for the Four Sigmatic Mushroom Coffee. I literally brew this coffee in my French press and then I will put it into a latte situation. I've been doing a caramel latte recently. I normally do chai, but anyways, that's really not important. I will brew this coffee. Now you might be like, Carly, what the fuck? Like, why do we need to know about coffee? And it's because Four Sigmatic, the mushroom coffee is actually for focus. So I was introduced to this by a whole bunch of people, like a whole bunch of people love Four Sigmatic and I reached out to them on Instagram and they ended up sending me the coffee and I was like, this is incredible. So it literally is just like a, an everyday coffee, like a drip coffee. Like you put it in your coffee machine. I have a French press cause I don't actually fucking drink coffee. I just, I, I just literally just use this one because of its benefits Inside, this coffee has this thing called lion's mane, and lion's mane, I believe, is classified as an adaptogen, and it helps to keep your focus. So I'm reading right now, it says, ground coffee with lion's mane and chaga, 16 servings. Get your brain going without leaving your body behind. Lion's mane and chaga keeps caffeine under control to support clean, focused energy. What I absolutely love about that is obviously, one, 
I mean, I don't get affected by caffeine, so it doesn't really help me focus in any way. I have a friend who has ADHD, and he had found that when he self-diagnosed before he actually got diagnosed, he was drinking like five cups of coffee a day because it combated his hyperactive disorder. But for me, like I don't have hyperactive disorder and I also don't get any energy from coffee. So it doesn't, that doesn't really matter to me, but I like that there is no like crash or anything. What I really like about this coffee and the concept behind it is like I said earlier, I was telling you guys that my by Fenton, like I'll take it in the morning, but I find it kind of wears off a little bit quickly for me. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that I am bigger. So it metabolizes a little bit faster in my body because obviously like, I don't want to really talk about like, you know, ideal weight or anything like that, because you guys know I'm not about that, but your body and its composition has a lot to do with how drugs are regulated and like flowed through your body. Someone who has a larger body composition sometimes needs a higher dose because, you know, they have more body to rush that drug through. So for me, I think that 50 might be my ideal milligrams because I am bigger than I was when I first got diagnosed with ADD. So just keep that kind of in mind. Like I said, I'm not a doctor. That's not like something that I absolutely know for a fact, but I have noticed that for me personally. Now, because of that, because it like doesn't last all day for me, I like to supplement my focus and my energy with this coffee. Like I said before, it has lion's mane, chaga. Those are adaptogens and they make me very focused while also, you know, having a cute little drink in the middle of the afternoon. It's so nice. I mean, I drink it iced. You can drink it hot if you like. I don't really like hot coffee, so that's why I don't do it. It's nice to just have it as an option every single day. So I find that when I drink it, it does help to sustain my quote unquote high, I guess, because I am focused longer. It helps to make me kind of more productive and it helps me to get my work done out until the end of the day. So for me, I work 10 to six. I try to be very like, cutthroat and very like on top of my own shit when it comes to working 10 to 6. I tried to protect my energy a little bit, but sometimes, you know, after four-ish, I get a little sluggish and the coffee really helps. So I normally drink my coffee at like 3 p.m., which might be unheard of for a lot of you guys because like I said, I don't get energy from coffee, so it's not like I can drink it and then I'm up all night. I could literally drink a cup of coffee and fucking sleep. So I drink my coffee at like 3 p.m. and it helps to sustain my focus until 6 p.m. without, you know, being too focused and too like drugged up, I guess, that I can't sleep because I have taken my Bifentin a little bit later in the day and it has really affected my sleep because your body is like getting like hyper-focused and all this kind of stuff, but you can't fucking sleep because your brain is so switched on. So I like to take it in the morning, my pill. I like to take it early in the morning at 10 and then I won't drink this coffee till probably like three so that those combined together can sustain my focus throughout my whole work day. Now, like I've mentioned earlier briefly, I obviously do these things. I have medication, I have this coffee, but if you don't, some things that I also like to do or I guess coping strategies that I have to make sure I get things done are the following. So if you guys know me, you guys know I'm a spreadsheet ass bitch. I love spreadsheets. I love Trello. I love organization. I love to-do lists. And I think the reason I love all of that is because it helps me to really get my fucking shit together. So first of all, a spreadsheet. I think I already kind of talked about this. I truly can't remember. 
Oh, I did when I was talking about numbers. I have like spreadsheets that I use to track my social media. So I like that because everything is laid out. Everything has a place. Everything is organized. This probably actually might stem from my need for control, but that's like a whole different episode. But I love that having everything in a place helps me to stay organized. So I have spreadsheets for things like that. I have spreadsheets for keeping track of things. So for me, I pitch brands every single month. And to be honest, my email inbox is a fucking mess and I couldn't keep up with anything if I didn't have the spreadsheet of the brands that I've emailed. So for me, the spreadsheet is the email, the first name, the last name, and then it has all of these check boxes. So the checkboxes allow me to kind of be in a pipeline, I guess, to see where the fuck I am with this specific person. So it'll have, did you send the initial email? And then you check yes or no. And then did you send a follow-up? Yes or no. And it has a section for notes as well. So maybe after the first email, they're like, oh, we're not working with influencers right now. Then I just leave a note and then I don't check off anything else. But Basically what I'm saying is having these like spreadsheet organizational tools also helps me on top of my medication to really stay organized and focused within my business. The next thing I like to do, you guys know I fucking love Trello, okay? I've talked about it on the podcast before. It's called All of My Tips and Tricks for Organization, I believe. I will leave it in the show notes below. I also have a video on YouTube completely detailing exactly how I use Trello in my business for content, for, you know, organization of the podcast, of YouTube. So if you guys want to check those out, they are on YouTube and they are on the podcast. So you can check both of those out. I will leave them in the description, but I use Trello for the same type of reason that I use spreadsheets. It's just so I can have visual organization and I can know what the fuck is going on in my business. Because if I didn't have that, my brain is too scattered to store that information in there. And that's why I like to have organizational tools and tricks. Another trick that I love that I've actually been using recently, and it's something that I was using in university for a different reason, it is time blocking and the Pomodoro method. So the Pomodoro method, I was using it to study. So the Pomodoro method is basically like you have a certain amount of minutes on and a certain amount of minutes off. For me, I was doing 20 minutes on, 10 minutes off to total 30 minutes. So I would do 20 minutes of studying and take a 10 minute break and then do 20 minutes of studying and then take a 10 minute break. And I did that that because I can't sustain, you know, self-studying for that long. I know there's people who can sit down and study for fucking hours, but I, I can't do that. So in university, I figured that out and I was like, okay, I can't do that. How the fuck do I combat that and still study and like get the shit inside my brain without completely burning myself out. And then suddenly I've just read five chapters and retained absolutely no information. So for me, the Pomodoro method was really good for studying. Now I've kind of adapted that into my everyday life. So for me, I actually have this full on time block. It's kind of like a kitchen timer, but basically it has numbers on all of the sides. So it has 15, 30, 60, and five minutes. And then on the bottom, there's like a little on off switch. So when you turn it on and you put the number on the top, so like, let's say I turn it on, I put the 30 minutes on the top, it will count down 30 minutes for me. So what I like to do is if I have to edit the podcast, for example, I will always put it on 60 minutes. I will put my phone on airplane or on do not disturb across the room. I will put my notifications on my laptop on do not disturb, and I will spend 60 minutes dedicated to one task. And I think that when I'm not trying to do a bajillion tasks at once is when I'm the most efficient 
and time blocking helps me out with that. I think too, internally, what I like about that is I like to compete and I really like to compete with myself. So if I tell myself I have 60 minutes to do this, if it's not done in 60 minutes, I've fucking failed myself. So when I sit down and I say, okay, 60 minutes for editing on the podcast, I get really focused and I get not distracted because I'm like, I have to do this in 60 minutes and then I have to move on. And it, it helps me to push myself to actually focus and get that shit done. Because if not, if I'm like on my phone, half-ass editing and, you know, I have notifications going and I'm seeing pop-ups for emails, then it takes me like two times longer to do one task. And I just can't, I can't do it. I don't have the time to be able to take two hours to do this. Like I, I really just don't. So I love time blocking for that reason. I use time blocking for a lot of different things too. So for me, I will sit down, I will do 30 minutes of emails, or maybe I'm taking like a five minute break. I will put it on my time block. It literally sits on my desk. I use it for so many things. Normally, I time block the most when I'm editing just because I really need to focus on the one task and I find that I do get distracted sometimes. So when I have the time block going and I have everything on do not disturb, I'm kind of the most efficient version of me. The last thing I kind of do to cope, I guess, with ADD and distractions and not overwhelming myself is that I only do six things a day. And you might be like, Carly, what the fuck? <laughs> well, how do you only do six things a day? And I I mean it in the in the sense that I only do six working things a day. So my workday could look like film a YouTube video, record a podcast, edit the podcast, edit the YouTube video, 60 minutes of brand pitching, and then 60 minutes of content creation. That is the only things I will do in the day. And I think it's because when you, you know, write down your to-do lists and you're writing down these like 50 things that you need to do this week, your brain subconsciously is trying to do all of these things at once. And I just can't fuck with that. So instead I write down six things that I realistically can do in the day. Now, not only does this make me feel good when I cross off all the six things, because it actually allows me to get my to-do list done and not be so fucking stressy about not doing every damn thing on my checklist. But at the same time, when it is six things, that is like six hours. If I dedicate an hour to one thing a day, that's six hours, but it also gives me two kind of hours of flow time. So, you know, an hour for lunch. And then let's say the podcast editing runs 30 minutes over. I have that little bit of a cushion and it helps me to not only get shit done, but also structure my day a little bit. So six things, six hours out of the eight hour workday, I have lunch and I also have a little bit of flex time. And that is incredible for me. I thrive on that. I have a great time and I am the most efficient when I do that. To kind of break it down, to I guess recap, I love spreadsheets, I love Trello, time blocking, planning things out, and then to-do lists that are only six things long every single day. The last thing I kind of wanted to talk about is if I see myself like medicated for life or will I eventually stop taking it, will I change my dose, XYZ, because at the end of the day, I'm 24 years old. Obviously, I did not grow out of my ADD phase from when I was 14. So I'm kind of, I've been thinking lately, like, what am I going to do? Like, am I always going to be on, on medication or am I going to eventually get off of it and just have these strong skills? And the answer for me, I guess, is I would like to stop taking medication. And 
it's not that I think medication is bad or it's like affecting my health or anything like that. I just think that I just don't want to be chained to taking a pill every day to make myself feel normal. And I think that because of the strategies that I just talked about, I am making these building blocks and building these strategies that eventually I'll be able to scale back my medication because my body will be so ingrained in doing these things and being responsive to, you know, time blocking and to-do lists and planning that I will be able to inherently focus versus focus because I am taking any type of ADD drug. Truthfully, I don't want to be 35 taking 50 milligrams of bifentan every day. And I I mean, there's absolutely no shame to anybody who does that. Like I get it. ADD isn't always everyday struggle. And it's been an everyday struggle for me. And at the end of the day, my own personal choice is that I don't think I want to take pills for forever, but I guess we'll see. It's kind of like a fluid thing. It just depends if I can really get my focus muscle really strong or if I can't. And I guess until that point where I feel like it's really strong and I'm really disciplined, I will continue to take my medication. Now, the next thing was, will I change my dose? I think the answer is yes. I do have, you know, those two months basically of the medication I'm on right now. We did already kind of talk about that, but I do think I want to bump it up one more just to see if I have a little bit more of long-term effects. And then if nothing kind of is super, super crazy, but I feel really good when I have the 50 milligrams, I think that's kind of where I'll stop. I don't really want to explore more options. Like I said too, I'm not an Adderall bitch. I don't really think I'm a Vyvanse bitch. And I just want to have that extra boost when it comes to focus, but I don't want to be dependent on medication. That is kind of where I'm at with like changing my dose. And then also my my outlook, I guess, on if I will be taking it for forever. With that being said, I guess those are all of my tips, my struggles, my journey, everything I've kind of learned from having ADD for so long. And I really hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope that you guys got really good tips and tricks and maybe you guys even got some information on what to talk to your doctor about and how to approach your doctor and how to, you know, how I went through my assessment. Like I said, I don't know what the actual proper way to assess it is. I was just sharing my own experience, but maybe your doctor does the same thing and you can bring it up to them and then you can get your medication or you can get your solutions from your doctor like that. I also should say I am also not a doctor, so this is not medical advice. This is literally just my experience with it all on, you know, my medication, my journey, how I'm coping now and how I kind of see myself in the future when it comes to ADD. That is it for today's episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to screenshot this episode and share it over on Instagram and tag me at heybitchespodcast. I would absolutely love to talk to you guys about this episode. If you guys have any questions about ADD, ADHD, anything like that, slide in my DMs. I would love to talk to you. Also, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are an Apple podcast listener, make sure to give the podcast a five-star rating and a review. It really does help me out and I would really appreciate it. I love you guys so much. I hope you guys have an incredible Tuesday. And for now, bye-bye, bitch.